Well, friends, I want to just share a key text as we begin tonight. Um, Acts chapter 4.33, you don't need to look it up, just uh, look at it on the screen. We'll look at another piece of scripture in a moment. Just The word says here, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and much grace was upon them all. Hallelujah. Isn't that a great text? Uh, that's what, where we are tonight, that uh, it was the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ that brought the power of the Holy Spirit into the lives of those early believers. And I love the fact that then the word says, and much grace was upon them all. If ever we needed the graciousness and the character and the nature of Jesus to be seen in the body of Christ, it's now. And I want to say to you, uh, as, as, the, as the voice and the mouthpiece of God, whatever you do, protect the grace in this house. Protect the grace. Let this be a place of grace. Let it be a house of grace, a house of forgiveness, a house of reconciliation, a house of healing, a house of restoration. Let every sign of the coming of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God among us be manifest in this place. If there is ever anything in your spirit that is not exhibiting grace, I can guarantee you it doesn't come from God and sometimes we have to take authority over our reactions our responses and our emotions to maintain grace turn to your neighbor and say whatever you do maintain a position of grace maintain a position of grace the graciousness of Jesus and you just know when you're with somebody don't you that's filled with the graciousness and the character of the Lord you you know you just love to be around them and you gravitate to them you you see it in their hearts you see it in their their movements you see it in their spirit you you see it in their heart and their home when you visit their home you you love be, to be around people who are filled with the the graciousness of Jesus and let me say to you friends uh, we've all received of the grace of God but to have that graciousness manifest in your spirit on an ongoing basis on a daily basis that is the richness that only comes as we walk with Jesus in close fellowship and relationship so friend tonight I'm praying that God will fill us with his grace hallelujah that our nature would be filled with the, the graciousness of Jesus hallelujah turn to your neighbor and say I've got to love you warts and all <laughs> and we can learn so much from what God did with what what God did with with the early believers because they were so radically transformed. They were never the same again. They were the same again until the resurrection and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. In fact, even after Jesus had appeared to them as a resurrected Savior, He, he spoke to them for 40 days. He, he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Uh, but after that, you know, uh, they needed to wait and they needed to be filled and they needed to be baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire, the promise of God made in eternity past was uh, coming in again right on time and, and God knew that He needed to pour out the oil. Hallelujah. God knew that He needed to fill us to overflowing, that we might be filled to capacity, that we might be filled to overflowing with the power of the 
living God. And that comes by the baptism and the filling of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Friend, I'm praying tonight that God will so touch you that you would be filled not only to the capacity of your own being, but from tonight rivers of living water shall overflow from deep within you. That's the cry of my heart tonight, that every one of us would know a deluge of the glory of God. Are you ready for that, friend? Because I am. Hallelujah. And friends, uh, how amazing it is when we look at the, the lives of these early believers, we can learn many things from them. One of the most important things we observe when we are looking at the changes that happened in the lives of the believer is this. The hand of God was seen in the ordinary routine of life. That's a great statement. The hand of God. Seen in the ordinary routine of life. Not just in the four walls of the building. But exploding and overflowing. Onto the streets, in our communities, in our homes. With our children, our grandchildren. What an amazing thing to see. Turn with me quickly. Because I want to preach fast tonight. It's going to come out like bullets. <laughs> it's going to zip into your spirit. And then we're going to let God just come and rain down His glory all over us. Does that sound good? Amen. So praise the Lord. Look at Acts chapter 2 verse 42. Because if we look at what the early church devoted themselves to, we can learn so much. And they didn't just... Uh, attend a weekly service and then carry on living the life that they once lived as a normal routine. Their routine had changed because God was getting involved in it right where they were. And uh, let's look at this. The Bible says they devoted themselves. I love that word devoted. Uh, what a great word. It means full concentration and direction of mind. Full concentration and direction of mind. You know, it does take energy to follow Jesus, doesn't it? It takes effort. It takes commitment. It takes zeal. It will cost you everything to follow Jesus and to be the person He wants you to be. If you want to move into a daily walk with God where His glory is filling you, it will cost you everything. There will come a moment in your life when you are consumed on the inside where you know that nothing else will satisfy you other than being with God. Nothing in all the world will be enough for you. No wonder the disciples said, show us the Father and it will be enough for us. And when you've seen the revelation of who the Lord really is and what He's like and His ways and, and just being with Him. You know, there's nothing else compares like it. I tell you. And the church needs a fresh revelation of the amazing God that we have. Wow. I'm in the middle of a reading. <laughs> Glory to God. Now I can't see it. <laughs> Glory to God. The sound man's ducking and diving. He can't see me. Hallelujah. Friends, I might scare you tonight, but I tell you what. <laughs> it's worth putting yourself through. <laughs> Jesus is amazing. 
It's going to get hot in here. And I'm not talking about the temperature. I believe God is going to draw near to us. I believe the rain of God is going to come down upon us. And the Word says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to everyone as he had need. Every day, that's the routine look, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so we see here the Lord breaking through in the everyday routine of life. Look at what they devoted themselves to, first of all. They devoted themselves to teaching. There is absolutely no doubt about it that we need to learn what is in this book. I, I, I cannot uh, communicate this strongly enough that stories, anecdotes and anecdotes will never change your life. Paperback books will never change your life. You have to get that word open and you have to eat it like your daily bread. By the way, God is not going to suddenly come upon you with some new unction and power for a moment that you need and bring you to a point of relationship with Him that is suddenly turns into supernatural and miraculous. I have discovered something that God actually wants me to walk with Him. He doesn't want me to depend upon instant moments. He wants me to know the manifestation of His glory in His life every day. And I believe this is what they had learned. They had persisted. They had great focus. They had great application with regards to the teaching of the apostles. Can I also say this to you, friends, by the way? Notice it was the teaching of the apostles. Everybody didn't just make up their own minds what they believed. Everybody didn't just form their own views and opinions and think, well, I don't quite see it like that. So you had a mega argument with the pastor and you storm out the church because you can't handle the anointing. And I want to tell you that, that God doesn't work like that. And we look to the early church for the pattern. We look to the early church because this is the Word of God. And as we look at this, we can see that God had instructed the apostles and they taught the people the ways of God. So the hallmarks of that early church was that they were a learning church. And I want to ask you a question tonight. Are you still learning more about Jesus? Are you still learning more about His ways? Are you still thirsty and hungry for the things of the Spirit? Have you got a hunger for the Word of life? If you haven't, you've got a problem. Pause. 
And so we see it was a teaching, learning church. Then there was fellowship. There was great togetherness. There was loyalty in the early believers. They had everything in common. Friends, this wasn't an early form of communism. <laughs> Not at all. This was uh, love. This was voluntary care. This was support for all. And there was a deep love between the believers. There was a sense of belonging. And one of the things that we need to have in the body of Christ in these days is a deep sense of belonging. To be able to get your roots down into the body of Christ, decide where you belong and stay and work through your issues. If something arises, work it through. Let the grace of God help you and sustain you and keep you where you meant to be. It's the devil that takes you out. Jesus plants you and he wants you to stay strong. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, stay in your spiritual home. <laughs> so they were a fellowship, a real sense of belonging. Then there was breaking of bread. They met together in each other's homes. They were glad. They were filled with the love of God. And before a meal, they would pause and they would thank God. And, and they would break bread together around a table. I love fellowship at that level, don't you? Isn't it marvelous when you, you sit together and you're enjoying a meal and, and you just sense God there around the table? That's what it was like. And, and we've made it sort of churchy. But fellowship was right in the house. And, and part of everyday life. And they would even take a little wine. Of course, it was one part wine, three part water. And so they, they celebrated the death and the resurrection. So they were an obedient church. That's one of the problems we have today. We have disobedient believers. They don't know how to obey the voice of God. And neither do they know how to obey leaders. I tell you what, there's a blessing comes upon your life when you learn how to respect and honor and obey the leaders in the house. Hallelujah. Don't let rebellion come in you. Remember what we were talking about when Adam and Eve were in the garden and the way that he knew the personality, the enemy knew the personality of Eve better than he knew. she knew it herself. And he knew how to get in there. Uh, and so, you know, just make a decision tonight never to have any rebellion in your heart. So they were obedient church. Then they were a praying church. These early Christians knew that they could not face the challenges of life and the work of the kingdom in their own strength. So they called upon God for his intervention and help. No prayer, no power. Much prayer, much power. Do you pray? You say, Pastor, that's a funny question to ask a church. I'm not talking about a prayer meeting. I'm talking about, do you actually pray? Do you walk and talk with God? And if you haven't started, make a start. When you're driving your car, pray. You, you won't look stupid anymore because everybody got hands free. So if you pull up to the traffic lights, everybody else is talking anyway. I used to think everybody thinks I'm crazy talking away. But the geezer next to me is talking on his mobile anyway. He doesn't know who I'm talking to, does he? Glory to God. Isn't that good? <laughs> I'm persuaded that's why God allowed us to have mobiles. <laughs> Amen. 
So they were a praying church. They'd learn how to walk and talk. Then, this is an awesome thing, friend. They were a reverent church. Oh, the experiences that they'd gone through had brought this into their heart. They were conscious of the fact that they were in the presence of the Almighty, the one who could save, forgive, and heal, cleanse. It was an awesome thing to be in the presence of God. The death of Ananias and Sapphira had stressed the seriousness of importance with God and the importance of honesty with each other. So they were a reverent church. And then, if you look at verses 46 to 47, it speaks volumes because as the believers went about their normal daily duties that were spiritual, you know, everything you do is spiritual. Everything you do is worship. You don't just come into this church and then we get the keyboard out and that's worship. Everything you do, everything you do is worship. Whether you're changing a diaper or whether you're washing up, do it all to the glory of God. When you're bored and you don't want to be doing what you're doing, have a change of attitude in your spirit and do it as unto the Lord. Hallelujah. What a difference it would make. The grace of God would be manifest in us. So the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So we see the hand of God in the ordinary routine of life. And another most important thing that we can observe when looking at the changes in the lives of believers is this. Is this. The miraculous hand of God was seen in the routine of life. Look at uh, Acts chapter 3 and 4. It gives us great insight into how the faith and the minds of the believers were operating. Peter and John set off uh, uh, to go to the temple to pray at three o'clock in the afternoon. That was the time of prayer. They'd not yet broken away, as it were, from the routine that was there uh, uh, when they were in Judaism. And so at three o'clock, they would set off to go to pray. They had gone in that direction so many times they could have walked it blindfolded. But on this particular day, because the resurrection of Christ had taken place, and because the power of the Holy Spirit was in them and upon them, something changed the routine of life. And you know the story as they came to the entrance there sitting by the gate was a man begging and he needed a touch from God. He was sitting at the gate beautiful, unable to walk. And then he asked them for money. They looked straight at him. A silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus. And taking him by the right hand, they pulled him up and he instantly found strength in his feet and his ankles. Right there in the routine of life, Peter and John witnessed the miraculous hand of God. And I just want to move on really. I would preach this with a little bit more depth uh, uh, in a different uh, environment simply because I want to move to what God wants to do tonight. But I want to look at the attitude and the approach of the apostles here. Just four things we observe. Firstly, they took the step of faith. Secondly, they spoke out the name of Jesus. Thirdly, they steered the glory to God. 
And fourthly, they spoke with great boldness. I hope you'll read that chapter when you get home because you will find every one of those wonderful things are in there. So there in the routine of life, you will find that miracles began to come. And I believe as a church we need to start expecting miracles in the ordinary routine of life. As we go through the world, as we are at school, at college, in our work, in our job, uh, just begin to ask God to step in and begin to manifest His grace and His glory and signs and wonders as we go through the routine of life. So many of us are locked into the idea that the miracles are meant to happen in here when I'm more persuaded that the miracles are meant to happen out there. How you understand where I'm coming from. Sometimes we need to do some radical steps. We take our step of faith. We, uh, we speak out in the name of Jesus and we steer the glory to God and speak with the boldness that God can give us. And yet, yet another of the most important things things we can observe when looking at the changes in the lives of the early believers is this, and this is not easy. The hand of God was seen in the extraordinary things of life, but it was tough. And that's the bit we don't want to hear. It was tough. Let me take you to Acts chapter 6 and 7, and you will remember the story of Stephen. Wasn't Stephen a great man? Wow. He was the most anointed waiter <laughs> you could ever had wait on you. And he was chosen by the apostles because he was full of the Holy Spirit and he had a right heart and a right attitude. He was asked by the apostles to wait on tables. Can you believe that? Now, if most of us had been moving at this man's level, we'd have said, wait on tables, get away, put me on the platform. <laughs> wouldn't we that's how we would have been thinking but this man was so full of faith and uh, the Holy Spirit that his character was obviously full of grace uh, he was full of grace and power and that's what enabled him to be the man God called him to be he was the last person we would have expected to have to lay down his life as a martyr for the sake of the gospel. So he was full of the Holy Spirit. Then Stephen was a man of wisdom and spoke by the Spirit. How we need to be men and women that know how to speak by the Spirit. I want to tell you, friends, I want to encourage you to practice that. Expect God to put words in your mouth. Understand that he's not going to bypass your mind, but he's going to drop thoughts into your mind. He's going to tell you what to say. Don't have any worry. Don't have any fear. Because at that moment, God will give you the word from heaven to speak out that will minister life to some poor soul as you walk the walk. Oh, yes. And, and too many of us have got our mouths closed. We're full of all the knowledge. We're full of all the things that make us enjoy God. But oh, how we need to know how to communicate wisdom and speak by the Spirit. And Stephen was full of grace to the point where he shone with the glory of God. How amazing that was. Shining with the glory of God. Can I say I grew up around guys that just shine with Jesus? 
lovely, isn't it? He has given me the wine to make my heart rejoice and the oil to make my face to shine. Turn to your neighbor, look at them and say, how is your face doing? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> what are people seeing us? What, what, really, what are people seeing us when they look at our faces? Do they see grace? Or do they see actually people's faces express what's in the Spirit? That's why I'm saying it. People, what is, whatever, whatever is inside will come out in your mannerisms and, uh, and your facial responses uh, as you communicate and walk through life. People can see. They can see anger. They can see bitterness. They can see resentment. They can see hurt. They can see pain. If they can see those things, don't you think God in his new creation is able to put on your face the characteristics of his nature, his love, his joy, his peace? Oh, hallelujah. Smile a while and give your face a rest. <laughs> hallelujah. It's okay to laugh. A lot of people get offended when there's laughter in church. Oh, Lord. We've been crying long enough. <laughs> Why shouldn't the Lord allow us to have some laughter? I've got no problem when Jesus makes us laugh. Not at all. Why do people suddenly say laughter's of the devil? God was the one that gave us the ability to laugh. Hallelujah. Joy, unspeakable and full of glory. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, have a good laugh, it'll do you good. <laughs> We're so ready to laugh at jokes. We're so ready to laugh at jokes. Why can't we allow the Spirit of God to bring such happiness and, and joy in our hearts and release? And I, I tell you, I, I laugh every day. Amen. It's a medicine. Some people have got so much religion, they don't stand a chance of laughing. They're bound up with nonsense. Bound up with chains of depression and fear. Oh, no laughter in their heart. Thank God for an ability to laugh. I believe Stephen would have been a man who was full of joy. You can't shine with the glory of God without the joy. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. And was he going to need the strength of God? Yes, he was. Because what Stephen was about to face was tough. And so Stephen preached the truth regardless of reactions and at risk to his own life. And Stephen was stoned to death. Now come with me to this great passage of Scripture in Acts chapter 7. I'm on the home straight. And then we're going to see what God does. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 7, verse 54. We'll read it together. Now, remember, Stephen has just preached and he's said that these people are stiff-necked and uncircumcised. <laughs> he's telling it as it is, brother. <laughs> I don't know whether we'd have allowed him into church, you know. <laughs> he may have been too direct. Too direct. But praise God, what a great man. So he told it as it is saying you always resist the Holy Spirit. Why does the church resist the Holy Spirit? Why is that the case? 
Why do believers have fear over the things of the Spirit? Why do believers prefer to have a sermon and go home than to hear the Word of God and to allow that Spirit, the Holy Spirit that can bring it alive in us to come upon us and flow through us? So look, this is what he's communicating. Then he says, when they heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. They were manifesting. That's the bottom line. <laughs> oh, yes, they were. Oh, yeah, the devil was manifesting. Glory to God, when we're around, he will. I was praying in a, a hot Holy Ghost prayer meeting the other day. Uh, Paul and I taking a foundations group. There must have been about 50 of them all around this room and we were doing the Holy Ghost night. You know, we were doing the Holy Spirit night. We'd gone through all the foundation stuff. I love these times. Oh, I tell you, get me, a bunga, get me among a bunch of new Christians and I'm as happy as Larry. Glory to God. <laughs> and uh, we, were, we were just all praying. We were teaching them how to pray and we were leading them and people were getting baptized with the Holy Ghost. One young fella, uh, he came to the Lord through my son-in-law. He was absolutely drunk in the Holy Ghost. He says, what's happening to me? What's happening to me? <laughs> and uh, it was just fantastic. And then I went over to this one lady who was a guest. She'd been brought along by somebody else. First time in our church. I thought, oh Lord, I wonder what she's going to think. <laughs> and I went over towards her and, uh, Ken, I'll borrow you. And, and, I, and I just went, you know, we were all praying. I was just praying for a few. So I just put my hand on her head like, towards her like that. And she went, Rah. I thought, oh, we've got a passenger here. <laughs> in fact, there might be a legion of them. <laughs> <laughs> glory to God. See, when that happens, it's a sure sign they're coming out. Glory to God. <laughs> they don't like it, you know. <laughs> oh, isn't the power of God great? The power. Why are we afraid of the things of the Spirit? We carry the authority of God, knowing who we are and, and the power and the glory of God that is in us. I tell you, eternity is in you. Did you know that? Eternity is in you. So when you walk through life in the ordinary routine, it's meant to be extraordinary. God will do it through you. Hallelujah. And so Stephen was this type of man. When they heard this, they were furious, gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears. Yes. Couldn't stand hearing it. Yelling at the top of their voices. They all rushed at him. Dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And meanwhile the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a, man, a young man named Saul. And that was the reason. It was not because God had given up on Stephen. It was because Saul had come in and God had chosen Saul to become Paul. It was tough, but a sacrifice was necessary to reach this man 
And that man would be someone who would reach every generation from the moment he was radically saved on the Damascus Road. Did you know he still reaches you by his epistles? Because God used him in Revelation. Hallelujah. But there was Stephen. What about Stephen? How is the church going to react to the one who was full of the grace of God and full of the glory of God and he's now been dragged out and stoned? What's gone wrong? Something has happened that should never have happened. And a tremendous shock went through the early believers. What would happen now that one of their own, whom God had used and empowered, had also laid down his life for the kingdom of God? What do we do? How do we react when things don't work out quite the way we thought they would? When we don't see God in something because we can't see him there because it wasn't what we thought should happen and how we thought our life should unfold. When things don't go according to our plans and we find ourselves sacrificing immensely. When the cost is as high as it could possibly be. What do we do? Do we give in? Do we give up? Do we lose faith? Do we say, I can't cope? Do I go to the doctor and get tablets to get me through? Or do I say, Lord, here I am. I will do your will. I believe you will carry me through. I will keep on trusting. Still, I will trust you. Still, I will follow. Still I will listen to your every calling as the storm rages on and I can't find my way. Still I will trust you Lord. Because I think we've learned that this generation of believers needs to come to maturity so we don't throw in the towel or even wobble when things don't quite work through the way we think God should have done it. And then, if we go into Acts chapter 8, we'll finish the reading actually. While they were stoning 59, him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul was there giving approval to his death. Some people say that was the thorn in his flesh. We don't really know. Some people say it was a sickness he carried himself, his sight. I don't believe that. We don't know. But look at what happened to the early church. And maybe we need to take note of this because none of us knows what is ahead. 
the shake-up that is happening around the world at this time, and the events that are going to unfold before the coming of the Lord, none of us know what we will face, but we shall, shall need to be strong in the Lord. Hallelujah. We will, friends. We mustn't weaken. Look at this. On that day, great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. And, and we know why that happened, don't we? We know why that God allowed that was because the, the believers, the early believers had become static and they'd stayed in one place. They had not begun to answer the call of God going to the ends of the earth. And so a persecution breaks out and forces the kingdom out. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered, though, look at this, look at this. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, many paralyzed, the crippled, and the cripples were healed. <laughs> so there was great joy in the city. Friends, this resurrection power brings with it Many things that are tough to carry. You'll be misunderstood. Religious people will say you're a cult. People won't like you. They won't want to be with you. They will feel convicted when you are around them because of what you stand for. But we go on preaching the truth. They may well not lift up a literal stone, but there's still stone in you. But I thank God as we honor what God has called us to do. He will bring life to many through the work of His Spirit through us. So our cry is, Lord, enable us by Your resurrection power to be bold and courageous, to preach the truth in the authority of Your name, to expect the miraculous in everyday life, to see you add to the church daily those who are being saved. And here's the big ones. To be willing to sacrifice everything for the purpose of God. Listen, friends, we have an awful lot of discovering your own purpose. How about the purpose of God? <laughs> Would be willing to lay down your life in surrender. Be willing to continue in the routine of life being faithful to God and to each other. And friends, here we are tonight in the very courts of the glory of God. That's where we are. And God is able to equip us by the power of His Spirit. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead will quicken your mortal body, give you life, empower us for service, empower us for, as we go around in our daily routine, we begin to see the kingdom of God 
breakthrough. To God be the glory. I felt tonight God wanted me to preach that message and to share that with you. I didn't feel tonight just to come and pray for people. I felt God wanted me to drop that into your thinking, to drop that into your heart for each one of us to be able to expect God to break in, to break into your world, to break into your life, in your home, in your heart, in your work, in every dimension, that in everything we begin to see God intervene and move in our routine of life. Come on, church, let's stand together. Let's ask the band to come. We're going to sing a great song. It's always one of my favorites.